Welcome to episode 8 of The Radicals, a podcast version of the novel The Radicals, written by me, Marilyn Krasner. The Radicals is narrated by Amanda Friedlander. Intro and outro music by Siobhan Hurd. Links in the show notes. I swap shifts with the night cleaner at the shelter so I can go to mom's during the day and give Aunt Penny a break. I think she didn't believe me when I showed up in the morning and told her she should go home and rest. She doesn't trust me. Probably just thought I was there to eat mom's food or borrow money, neither of which are readily available these days. I guess I understand why she would think that. I've never been known to help out before. I'm working the night shift, I tell her, because I want her to be proud of me for helping. Your mom said you hated the night shift. Aunt Penny says as she packs her purse full of four pairs of reading glasses, her phone, her gossip magazines, and several packets of mints and gum and appetite-suppressing lollipops. Can I have some of that before you go? Aunt Penny is holding her CBD oil that she has been taking a few times a day. She holds the dropper above my mouth, and with each drip of liquid under my tongue, I feel relaxed. Taking care of mom keeps me busy. I don't have time to sit and dwell on how she did this to herself because of me, and I am a bad person, a bad daughter who contributed to her depression. I go to the grocery store, to the pharmacy, I do laundry. I cook and freeze meals the tall, flirty nutritionist woman told me to prepare for when mom is ready to eat real food again. She handed me a worn paper folder filled with recipes for simple broths and soups printed out of an office printer and I have had no problem using these recipes because, unlike the cookbook Cecilia forced me to use, these pieces of paper don't ask anything of me. They offer me the opportunity to help mom. They are not judging me based on how I feel about capers or require me to go to some elitist store to buy expensive ingredients that I will only use once. I help mom get to the bathroom. I rub her thin legs and arms so her muscles don't atrophy because she's in bed all day. I check that she doesn't have any sores on her skin. This is all the stuff I read online about taking care of a bedridden person. All of this is done in silence. Mom still hasn't said anything to me or Aunt Penny, and I like being quiet with her. I like the absence of the conflict we have been caught up in forever. I'm just here helping. Those preachers I used to listen to might call this my repentance for all the pain I caused her. Mom needs me, and it's nice to be needed. I keep thinking of Mom's friend, the florist, whose daughter dropped her whole life to help her sick mom. I'm doing that. I'm the good daughter that Mom's friends are going to use to guilt trip their own kids. I'm not a disposable person here like I was at Cecilia's, who was doing just fine without me, by the way. She's probably hired a private chef to make her meals exactly as instructed by the blonde cookbook woman and replaced me with a new set of sex toys. She's living the dream the four mothers fought for. She has complete financial and reproductive control of her own life. 
I think mom trusts me, which feels the best. I'm handling things. I'm functional in this bad situation. I think that's a direct result of all those years protesting, running from the cops, thinking on my feet. I trained myself to use my powers to help mom right now. Like, when the psychiatrist visits, I take notes. Aunt Penny likes my phonetic spellings of the drugs and weird medical terms the guy likes to throw around, like we're his peers and he's trying to impress us. Aunt Penny says he is kind and likes mom and home visits are rare, so we're lucky. The frenetic energy of my days and nights remind me of when Frida was first born, except I don't feel bad about myself this time and mom doesn't cry the house down like Frida did. I've been super focused on getting mom's house ready for Luke. He lived here longer than I did, so it's his house and I want him to feel good here. Luke and I got along well when we lived together, before Owen came and I went. Back when he was small, I made him breakfast when mom worked the early morning shift cleaning at the hospital. We were our mom's support team. Now I don't even know if he likes coffee or herbal tea, or if he plays sports on the weekends. I guess we're not close, there's just an undercurrent of closeness. I wait in the busy international arrivals area of LAX and watch beautiful reunions between all kinds of people who are crying and smashing their bodies together. It looks like they are trying to catch up with each other's lives by pressing their bodies together for as long as they can. It reminds me of the online cry videos I watch, but this is happening right in front of me. I've got my no emotion shield on and dark sunglasses. Then I see Luke. I don't often admire the physical characteristics of men, but my brother's face takes me by surprise as he bursts through the crowd. His smile is like a torchlight that shines right into my soul. I usually spend all of my time disconnecting myself from the world around me and everyone in it because I've decided life is easier for me that way, but then I get lassoed by my brother's sweet face. It's hard not to enjoy the feeling of being connected to this lovely man. For the first few minutes we are together, while we are involved in our own hug, our bodies smashed together. I do wish I could communicate everything I feel about him through this embrace. I know I want to stay like this so long that it might possibly make mom better and make me feel fine about life, but I also know my brother and our relationship together can't fix everything, or much at all. How's mom? He asks. Nothing has changed since he called 14 hours ago from the airport. All I can do is shrug my shoulders and say, It's hard. Then out of nowhere, a pain cry starts and quickly turns into a gasping sob cry in the middle of hundreds of strangers. Instantly, I'm one of the emotional people here. I'm bent over trying to get air into my lungs and making loud noises that are echoing off the high ceilings, and I'm trying not to be embarrassed about this scene I'm making. Luke wraps his arms around my hunched body and is shushing me with a soft voice. When I catch my breath, I straighten my body quickly, and he grabs me in a hug so tight that I can't breathe. I can hear him sniffing. I push him away gently and pat his chest with my right hand. I straighten my sunglasses on my face. His face is all wet with tears that he wipes away with the sleeve of his hooded sweatshirt. He's so tall and adult, but wiping his face like that, I saw my little baby brother. He used to look up to me. I missed something, not getting to know him better. 
Come on, I'll buy you a Slurpee, he says as he puts his arm around my shoulders. He smells like toothpaste and leather. He gets a massive red one and says he's making up for lost time. Then he gets an ice cream headache, and I can feel a bit of the pain he's feeling because I've done the same thing so many times. It's so warm. He stops as we walk to the car, and he stands with his arms extended out at his sides. Is it cold where you live? I ask. Hell yes. Summer there is like winter here. Wow, you've changed. He says when he sees the car. It's Aunt Penny's. I have been using her SUV to do errands. I don't take back everything I said about these suburban tanks, but I have to admit I feel like a dominant presence in the world when I'm driving this car. I've needed the extra strength this week. Mom said you broke up with your girlfriend. Yeah, a few months ago. What about the baby? I still see her. It's amazing, actually. I just give her back after a couple of hours. I can see the positives of that. How's your parenting going? Fucking hard. I'm out of my comfort zone, especially when Kate is having a bad day. Who do I help? Her or the kid? At the same time, it's beautiful, right? There are these little bundles of love. He started smiling while I was up in the air and I missed it. But I'm glad I'm here. Look. Luke holds up his phone and my nephew's chubby, happy face shines bright through the pixels. We are quiet for a long time. He uses his smartphone and I feel ignored. He tries to find something on the radio, but quits and calls it all crap. He seems anxious. Are you okay? I ask. Yep, yeah, might try to sleep. He snoozes for a while. I watch the road and stay quiet. He wakes up with a start. Oh my god, where are we? Almost at mom's, I say. I don't think I have ever truly appreciated how ugly L.A. is. What do you think? He asks. I just shrug my shoulders. It's ugly sometimes. Beautiful sometimes. Oh, I wanted to ask you what do you think about hashtag me too. Is this the huge cultural shift you've been waiting for or is it bullshit? It's good, but not for women who have been assaulted. I don't know, though. I haven't asked anyone. I think it's going to be good for movie studios and production companies. Kate's been telling me all of these stories that I can't even believe. No, I mean, I totally believe her. Dudes whipping their dicks out at parties, or when she was in high school, this guy was in a car and asked her for directions, but when she looked into the car, he was whacking off. Bro, do you think you're telling me shit I don't know? Oh, fuck, that was harsher than I wanted it to be. Luke's face is red. I try to soften my voice. I'm sorry, but do you know how many unsolicited dicks I've seen in my life? What do you think pussy power was about? Yeah, that's what I mean. Isn't hashtag me too kind of a result of your activism? Not at all. Pussy power was about fighting the system of misogyny. Hashtag me too is about people sharing what has happened to them and what is accepted by the system of misogyny. And yeah, I guess I understand you connecting the two, but... I haven't been involved in anything to do with it. I've been on probation. You knew that, right? I'm just on my own now. No pussy power. No fighting anyone. Also, with mom so sick, I don't even have time. I clean toilets now. He doesn't say anything. 
You remember mom cleaned toilets and she used to come home and we would laugh so hard when she described how she walked into a stinky bathroom and she totally exaggerated her grossed out face? No, I don't remember that, he says. It's not as funny now, but I think of her faces every time I walk into the bathrooms at work to clean them. Hey, you haven't done anything like that, right? Is somebody going to hashtag me too about you? My face is hot and my breathing is fast. Please say no. Please say no. What? No. He sighs a big sigh. Fuck. I mean, no, except... He turns the volume up on the car stereo. Except what? I turn the radio off. Nothing. You can tell me. There was this thing in Thailand. Have you heard of the full moon parties? They are crazy. Extremely fucked up people everywhere. Have you heard of those? No, I haven't. They're crazy. Insane tourists. You know, like guys who are so sunburned that it looks like they're wearing a shirt, but it's just their bare skin. People passed out all over. Sounds super not fun, I say. Did something happen at one of those? I think a lot of shit goes down that is not acceptable, he says, looking out the window. I mean with you, I ask, trying to keep my tone light and breezy. Yeah, I know what you're asking. Did I rape someone? No. But it's just I was pretty drunk and high. There was a girl, a woman, that I liked, and I came on strong with her, I think. He stops talking. Keep going, I say. We had sex, but now I'm like, I don't even know how much she wanted to have sex. Now that I look back and analyze it, I didn't hold her down and she wasn't saying no, but I don't remember asking her. I just have a feeling that she would have opted out if I let her. She might not have let me, you know. Maybe she just wanted to make out. I don't know. What do you mean, let her? I don't know. I just think she felt pressured. Why would she feel pressured? I don't know. She just kind of left after we were done. When you say we were done, do you just mean you? Yeah. I'm not going to say a fucking thing to soften the sharp hot pokers his brain is hopefully pushing into his soul right now, or should be. I know he wants me to. I'm not interested in making him feel better about what is obviously a sexual assault that he is watering down. He exposed himself to me, and he wants me to tell him it's not so bad. It is bad. I don't know, dude. It's the men who need to change, is all I can say. It's all I've been saying for 25 years. Get your fucking shit together, you misogynist slackers. He gets me to stop at his favorite Mexican food place and says he'll buy me lunch. I sit outside and watch Luke inside. He's so tall that he can look down over the cash register. Could probably reach right into the drawer and take the cash. He doesn't do that. He crosses and uncrosses his arms, looks up at the ceiling and smiles. I stare at him the whole time and he doesn't look at me at all. Is he uncomfortable because he knows I'm looking at him? Or is he so comfortable with himself and his status in the world that he doesn't even notice me looking at him? He shares a laugh with the woman who pushes the tray toward him. He carries the food on the tray with both hands as he approaches the door. He stops on the other side of the door, and I can tell he is trying to decide how to open it without using his hands. He has a couple of options. He could simply turn his back to the door and push the door open, or he could get complicated and kick the door open so hard that it gives him enough time to get through before it closes. Or kick it, then twist his body fast enough that the door hits his ass, and he can keep it open with his body. 
That is a tricky move because the momentum required for him to turn his body might knock over the food and drinks on his tray. What he probably wants is for me to open the door for him. I'm not going to do that. He does the kick, body turn, ass move, and it works well for him. Of course it does. Things work out for him all the time. I eat my brother bought food and my anger at him dissolves. I don't think he is a sexual predator. I think he was drunk and high and horny and unable to put a woman's displeasure above his conquest. Do I want to kick his ass right now? Yes. Do I think kicking his ass will fix the problem for the whole world? No. I'm not dumb enough to think my little local disruptions will change the world's hatred of women. Hey, I say, just promise me that you will teach your son that no matter how hard his dick is, he has to get 100% consent before he puts it in anybody else. Luke turns around us to see who heard me. That's the way it's going to stop. Dads, uncles, male teachers, priests, camp counselors, bosses. You guys need to start saying out loud that girls and women are not fuck dolls. Okay, I get it, he says and grabs his food and walks to the car. Unlock the car, please. I push the button to unlock the car. I don't rush to finish the rest of my food. I feel satisfied after saying what needed to be said. When Luke sees the state mom is in, he doesn't seem shocked. He just goes into the room, pulls the chair up next to her bed, and holds her hand. He sits next to her for at least a half an hour, maybe because he has a new baby and a wife who had a cesarean and he has been taking care of them, but this man's compassion is impressive. I think Mom has gained some weight from the feeding tube in the time that it took Luke to get here from New Zealand. I'm sure she doesn't look as bad as she did that first day I saw her. She stays in bed all day every day, still too weak or bummed out to talk to us. Now that Luke is here, there are even more dishes to keep up with, and I've been chauffeuring him around to all the places he wants to go, like the grocery store to stock up on foods he can't get in New Zealand, or thrift stores, or souvenir shopping. His wife calls a lot. I think she is freaking out about being alone. Maybe she's worried he won't come back. Because he's at mom's now, I can go back to Julianne's and quit the night shift again. Staying at mom's was so overwhelming, I tell Julianne as she hands me a slice of bingo. Between mom's house and the shelter, I'm surrounded by crisis, I don't have any direct responsibilities with the women and children at the shelter, but being there with them, knowing the trauma they've been through and going through my own trauma with mom, it's wearing me down. That's tough, girl. Go have a float in the pool. I'll bring you a cocktail. Julianne winks at me and I grab her hand. You're so nice to me, I say, and she smiles. You're under a lot of pressure right now. I'm just showing you love. Luke takes the pressure off me. Like, I don't have to think every minute I'm there that her depression is my fault, that she wanted to die because of me. That's not true, though. Don't try to make me feel better. It is true. Have you talked to your mom at all? Like, why did you try to kill yourself by starvation? No, she's not talking to anyone. I think she's still raw, you know? I've been reading to her. Books she liked when she was young that my Aunt Penny brought over. That's sweet. No, it's not sweet. It's sad. You're right. It's sad. Hey, any word from Sally or your dad? Oh, man. 
That feels like a kick to the gut because I regret everything about that situation. No, I kind of hope they just burn each other out, evaporate into the atmosphere. I'm sorry I brought it up. Here's your drink. Go relax in the above ground. Then Tina screams. Julianne and I rush out to the living room to see a figure at the big front window. What the hell? Julianne is almost at the front door. It's Sally, I say. Julianne stands at the closed front door. Should I open it? No, wait, I'll go talk to her. I want to meet her. Let me test it out first. She can be volatile. I go outside slowly and disappointed that I have to deal with this fucking situation instead of relaxing in the above ground. I stand next to Sally. We are both in front of the window now. She is staring into the house and I want to smack her because she's purposely trying to scare everyone. Is that lady on an infomercial? What lady? Both of them? No, I say in an even tone, even though I want to smack her more for making fun of my friends. Porn, then. Low budget. Homemade. Do you help her make it? On the other side of the window, Julianne, Tina, and her boys are sitting down on the carpet staring at us. I think we're the infomercial. I laugh, which breaks the tension, for me anyway. Sally smiles as well. A good sign. You look good. I thought you would like to know that I finished the job. She swings her backpack around to her front and opens the top. She stares at me as she reaches in. Her hand is coming out of the bag. She is holding on to something dark and familiar. It's hair. I don't have time to look away before she pulls out a head and shoves it toward me. I close my eyes and take a step backwards, but she pushes the hard, cold thing in my face. Screams come from the other side of the window. I hope they are covering the boy's eyes. She has gone too far. I open my eyes and step backwards again. The head Sally is attacking me with is fake. Styrofoam with a short, dark-haired wig. It has a handlebar mustache drawn on and black sunglasses. I try to laugh and act like my heart is not beating so fast that I feel faint. She pushes the head into my face harder. Don't laugh, you selfish fucking hypocritical unfriend. I steal myself for an aggressive surge from Sally. It could be words, it could get physical. She stands there, then drops the head on the ground. Does that infomercial actress have any food in there? I bet she does. Not like at your mom's place, huh? Nope. Those cupboards are bare. That's not funny. It kinda is, though. Aunt Penny told me what's going on. I'm here for you, though, even though you weren't there for me at all. I'm sorry. You should be. Pretty fucked up. I just wanted to get a couple hard jabs in at you before we reconcile over a really long, long story I have to tell you about your father and me and a thing called psychological torture. A wave of chills passed through my body. I can't decide if it's fear or excitement. My teeth rattle. I wave for Sally to follow me into the house. Everyone, this is Sally. Don't take anything she says personally. Avoid eye contact. Julianne isn't listening to me and hugs Sally. I don't try to stop her. They're both adults. Nice to finally meet you, Julianne says. 
Sally pats Julianne's back and rolls her eyes at me. This is my good friend Julianne. Sally pulls out of the hug and drops her backpack on the floor. Where's the bathroom? She smells like cigarettes and like she hasn't showered for a while. I watch her walk to the bathroom. Her back is rounded. Her movement is slow. Is it possible that Sally is getting old? She has gained weight since I last saw her, which is a good thing. I open the fridge and stare at nothing in particular. Julianne is behind me. She's exactly what you described, she whispers loudly. What are you looking for in there? I'm looking for an escape hatch. Is there any of that chocolate cake left? No, there are some cookies in the jar. I reach for the jar above the fridge and find piles of chocolate chip cookies. I grab a handful and offer the jar to Julianne. She takes it and puts it back on top of the fridge. What'd she say? She said she finished the job. What does that mean, Carl? I don't know, I'm freaking out. She can be really out there with her concept of reality. Who knows what happened and what didn't happen kind. Everything kind of gets mixed together. Don't believe anything she says. Yeah, you said. I put my arm around Julianne. Do you think Tina and the boys should be here? I kind of worry about her around them. Nothing gross, just that she can be vulgar. Right, yes. Do you want me to go too? No, I want you to stay. I need you to be a witness to whatever is going to happen next. I hear the toilet flush. Julianne goes into the living room to clear Tina and the boys out. Tina runs into the kitchen, excited. Is that Sally from your journals? I nod. Oh my god, that's so awesome. She looks old. Sally walks into the kitchen and looks at me and then at Tina. Tina holds her hand out to Sally. Hi, I'm Tina. I just want to say I've been looking in those journals and I'm a big fan of your work. Anyway, mom's being lame and says I have to leave. Hope to see you again. I have never seen Tina this animated. I had no idea she ever read the journals I gave to Julianne. She is still looking at Sally as she wrangles the boys in their bags out of the house. That's cute, Sally says. They are a good family. You still have those journals? I thought you hated me. Why would you come to see me if you thought I hated you? Same reason I lived with your fucking father for months. I hate myself. Did you have cancer or not? She shrugs. Heard from your dad? I shake my head. Oh, I just thought. Thought what? That he would wonder where I went. And you think he would call me to find out where you went? Or email or something? She is acting strange. Three C's. Three C's I repeat silently to myself. Whatever, it's not important. She is looking around the room, avoiding eye contact. What was it like living with him? She looks me in the eyes. I had to drug him, like secretly because I wanted to be alone. I used to wake up before him and leave the house for a couple hours, but he started waking up early, earlier than me, so he could stop me from leaving. I started giving him pills, and before I left, he'd be asleep, and I would go right up next to his ear. She gets close to my right ear, presses down on my right shoulder, and says softly, send him messages about how he was going to get cut up into little pieces by everyone he ever hurt, 
how Sally was the only person who could save him. I pull away from her and rub the back of my neck where the hairs are standing up and tingling. I smile. That's majorly sadistic. She snaps and points at me with her fingers in the shape of a gun. Bing fucking go. Julianne comes back into the kitchen. Sally, how long are you in town? Sally looks at me. I don't know. I just got here. See what happens. Julianne looks at me and raises her eyebrows. I raise mine back. I know what she is asking with this expression, so I nod. Well, you're welcome to stay here for a couple nights or a week, but there are some ground rules. Not optional. Sally straightens up in her chair. We have a no drama policy here. You don't fuck with anything or anyone. This is my house. Any hint of trouble, you're out. Sally nods. That's fair. I didn't come here to cause trouble. Julianne raises her eyebrows at me once again and tilts her head to the right, then smiles. Well then, I'm glad you're here. I'll leave you two alone. Where are you going? I ask. I was just going to, I don't know, dust? I laugh because Julianne does not dust. Sit down. Whatever we talk about, I want you here. Make sure I got it all right in my mind. If that's all right with you, Sally. Sally nods. In that case, anybody want a whiskey? Julianne skips, yes, skips, to the high cupboard where she keeps the alcohol. Sally and I both raise our hands, look at each other, and laugh. Did you have cancer? Sally smiles a wry smile that tells me the answer, but I want to hear her say it. Are your mom and sister really dead? D. Julianne uses her stern, matriarchal tone on me for the first time ever. Yes, they are. I mean, I had a lump, but it was just a cyst. Nothing for you to worry about. I wasn't really in my right mind, though. That day you came down, I was so fucked up from seeing you, and the whole thing with Carl was really confusing. What was the whole thing with Carl? I flattened my hands on the table. What do you mean, what was the whole thing? You're the one who wanted me to get him. I just wasn't in my right mind. I put my head down because I know what's coming and I don't want Sally to see. She always hated crying. Fuck it. I lift my head and wipe my tears and stare directly into her eyes. I always wanted you to be well, you know? You look really good. Sally turns her head away. She lifts her arms up to the ceiling and clasps her hands together. I've been living with Carl for a long time. Longer than you ever fucking spent with him. Know what I learned? He's a fucking child. I don't mean he is messy and can't look after his money or hold a job, even though all of those things are true as fuck. I mean he is emotionally damaged. I studied him, challenged his opinions. That made him angry and violent. She takes a sip of whiskey. Did he ever get violent with you? Julianne is hunched over the table, enthralled. It's the same look she has when she's watching her favorite TV shows. Sally nods, then smiles. He is an old man. Weak. I didn't let him get away with too much without giving it back to him. Sally finishes her whiskey, and Julianne opens the bottle and holds it up. Sally nods. How do you two meet? This is domestic bliss. Kind of an odd fit for you, Dee. 
She's on the old side, no offense. Dee usually likes them young and clueless. I look at Julianne. She's still smiling, not showing any sign of annoyance at Sally's lack of tact. We met in group therapy when I was on probation. We're not a couple. Nope, I like the dick, unfortunately. Sally raises her eyebrows and laughs. We all laugh. Julianne's face is red and Sally's eyes are watering. Why don't we get some food and go to the beach? I say. I'm too buzzed to drive, Julianne says. Yeah, I'll go for the food, but I'm too cold to go to the beach, Sally says. She's so good at tapping into people's giving spots. You cold? Julianne stands up and steadies herself. Oh, I'm a lightweight. I'll get you a sweater or a blanket. Be right back. Sally leans towards me and smiles. She likes the dick, huh? Rigid much? Don't be mean to her. Sally sticks her middle finger up at me. Here, I brought a robe, a blanket, a sweater. Julianne's face is barely visible behind the pile of warm things she collected. She stands next to Sally. I get up and take the pile from her. Here, take the blanket. I put the other stuff down on an empty chair and lay a blanket around Sally. Thanks. I feel so taken care of, Sally says. I try very hard not to roll my eyes. So what else have you been doing? I ask. What do you mean? Have you been living with Carl this whole time? Pretty much, yeah. After the wife left, it was just us two and his smelly fucking dogs. Why did the wife leave him? Her and I did not get along. <laughs> Sally laughs. What? Julianne is almost laying on the table. She is so into this. Sally leans forward towards Julianne. What? I hate the way she is belittling my friend. Maybe Julianne doesn't notice or give a shit, but I know Sally well enough to know that she will cut her down every chance she gets. Why did you laugh? What was so funny about what you said? About not getting along with his wife? Well, yeah. <laughs> Sally laughs again. Maybe it's not for a child's ears. She nods her head toward me. Oh, what the hell? You're a grown-up when you want to be, aren't you, Dee? I get up and get myself some water. I want to hear, but I don't want to hear. The thing is, Carl is a sex maniac. He likes to fuck morning, noon, and night. He has a prescription for one of those dick-hardening pills, and I was game. The wife wasn't into me and wasn't into the sex stuff Carl wanted us to do together. Because it was kind of dominating the spaces of the house, she left. Her parents are fucking loaded. I'm sure Carl was some sort of midlife temper tantrum of hers, so they would take her in and shower her with the comforts like nice soft blankets. This is so comfy. Glad you like it, Julian says. So was that part of the plan to get her to leave him? Also, his money was running out. He almost lost the house. Where was the money going? Julian asks. It's hard to say. Sally winks at me, which I take to mean, it's not hard to say, I'm just not telling you how I took the money because I'm just so fucking mysterious. I take a deep breath. This surreal situation is catching up with me. I take another deep breath. Then I can't take another deep breath. I try a shallow breath, but I can't manage that either. I stand up quickly and go to the back door. I can't catch my breath. D. 
I hear Julianne's voice. I turn around. I feel like my heart is going to explode. I bend over. I think I'm dying. I am definitely dying. Julianne's hand is on my back. Dee, you okay? Say something. You're scaring me. Julianne's face is close to my ear. I can smell the whiskey on her breath. Sally? You're not dying, Dee. It's your brain, bitch. Turn off your brain, you melodramatic. Hey, shut up! Julianne shouts at Sally. That is not helpful. She's having a panic attack. Sally is right. That's what it is. Doesn't mean I'm not dying, though. Who says death is not preceded by one of these? I let Julianne lead me out to the living room and onto the couch. I push myself down to the floor and put my head under the couch. It's been building up all day and now, boom. Re-enter Sally, re-enter my panic attacks. I bring my knees up to my chest and hold them as tight as I can. Nice ass. Sally is standing close to me. I think she needs some space, Sally, Julianne says. I hear Sally sigh and then footsteps, front door open and close. You okay, girl? I release my knees and pop my head from out of the bottom of the couch. Sorry. Don't you apologize. She's scary. Want me to get rid of her? No, this is nothing. Believe me. I just need to get used to it again. I told you, though. Was I right? She's volatile, but I can handle her better than anyone. She's seen me vulnerable now. I just need to get a couple one-ups on her and gain the upper hand. I don't understand. She's not here for no reason. She's got something planned. Really? You're not paranoid or anything? Maybe I am. Can you see her outside? Yeah, she's looking in. She thinks I can't tell, but she's got her eyeball straining to see us. I know that look. Shoplifter's best tool, peripherals. I grab her hand and she helps me off the floor. I'm glad you're here to see that I'm not making her up. I know. She's more impressive than I imagined her, and so shallow. This is the most fun I've had in a long time. We laugh together, and I put my arm around Julianne. I look at the big window and see Sally standing there, looking at us. Are you going to go talk to her? What's the point? I ask. I don't know. Figure out why she's here? Julianne says. I think she's just here because she doesn't have anywhere else to go. I'm her default. You two are on a level I do not get, so I'm just going to make some food and drink more. Do you want another whiskey? No, I might go for a walk. You sure? Oh well, you're a big girl. Yes, I am. Sorry to scare you. Yeah, you scared me. Don't do that again. I still feel shaky, but I need to get out of the house. I let Julianne hug me, then I open the front door. I can smell Sally's cigarette as I walk in the opposite direction. Running away like a bitch. What a surprise. I keep walking. There's something I haven't told you. Something I think you'll be interested in. I keep walking. I hear her running up behind me. I walk faster. Then I turn around and face her. She stops. Smiles. I'm not interested. Suit yourself. It's just that it's quite interesting, this thing I think you'd be interested in. I don't think so.
fine. Be a stuck-up bitch. You're too good for me now with your Stepford wife living in a fucking cold ball sack. I turn around and keep walking toward the end of the cold ball sack, which is a stupid funny joke that I wish I could laugh at right now. I have no idea what I'm doing. I sit on the curb and stare at Sally while she smokes and stares at me. A big black blur is approaching the house. It's Luke in Aunt Penny's car. Now he's out of the car, hugging Sally. She is standing in her flirty stance, swaying from side to side, looking up at my tall brother. I speed walk back to them. Hey, I say. Hey, Sally's here, Luke says. Yeah, she is. Small world, he says and rubs the back of his neck. He's sunburnt on his nose and forearms. Where in the world is Luke Jukes these days? Sally says with a fake southern accent. Me? New Zealand. What? Down under? Nice. Sally exhales smoke in my direction. I knew a guy from there once. He was a pussy. I didn't know you had guys in pussy power. Luke looks at me. We did sometimes, but I think Sally is referring to him as a coward. Wasn't he the guy who you tried to pick a fight with at that squad in Fresno and he wouldn't fight you? Maybe. Pretty sure. Does Luke know? Sally asks with a serious voice. Know what? Luke looks at me again. He's such a baby. I love him so much. Luke came by to take me to an appointment. You go back inside with Julianne and I'll see you later. What fucking kind of name is Julian anyway? Sally asks. Come on, Luke, I can't be late. I tug at his shirt. You're a bad liar. Whatever, Sally says and flicks her cigarette at me. I wish I could say it was nice to see her, Luke says as he speeds away. Do you ever think about Dad? I ask. Yeah, a lot, actually, these days. I think since Felix was born. A while ago, I saw him on TV, and then I called Sally. He was doxing people, so I decided to stop him. Luke pulls the car over to the side of the road and turns his body toward me, and I tighten up my whole body because he's listening to me with every bit of attention he has, probably relieved that he lives so far away from all of my drama. Doxing? He asks, putting people's addresses online so that people could hurt them or fuck with them. Carl? Yes. Did you say he was on TV? Yes, he's a white supremacist. But he's a Jew, he says. He's white. I already knew anyway. How? I have the internet. But I didn't really dig too deep because, you know, it made me so angry. He is shaking his head. Right. I got Sally to go down there. I wanted to make him stop. I think I wanted to make him suffer in some way. I asked her to do what she does to him, and then it got really fucked up. Do what she does? He asks. Yeah, she gets guys to... It's not important. The thing is, they started living together. Like, in a relationship? Yeah. Oh my god, gross. Mom says she came by earlier today. Wait, is mom talking? Yeah. Why didn't you call me? That's why I came to get you, he says. Can we go see her now? I just came from there. She's not talking about, you know, what happened. 
I don't think she's ready. Honestly, I need a change of scene, he says as he gets onto the Fi Freeway, heading south. Is Carl still down south? I don't know, I say, even though I do know. It's, what, two hours to get there? Two hours to get to Carl's? I ask. Yeah. Let's go now. Come on, I need a road trip. Are you on glue? I don't want to go to Carl's. There's no point. I want to go see my mom. I want to hear her voice even if she's still mad at me. Even if she only answers yes and no. I want to be with the parent that loves me, not the parent that doesn't know how. I'm leaving in a couple days. Why should I not have the most fucked up visit in the history of visits? Mom attempts suicide by starvation. Check. Visit white supremacist father. Check. That is an epic list. I laugh. You keen? He asks. I don't answer. I just watch the buildings blur as we pass fast down this road of passivity. Am I afraid to seem boring? Like Luke's opinion of me matters more than me and mom hanging out. The truth is that I am boring. I can't think. I just know we're moving fast and I'm staying quiet. Another truth is I do want to see Carl. It's that little girl hiding inside me who sat around the house all day on weekends waiting for her dad to show up like he said he was going to. That little person with high expectations is still tucked somewhere under my ribcage or something. She hasn't seen the light of day in decades. But she's the one that holds hope that Carl will suddenly get dressed in the dad uniform and finally do the job. We need snacks, I say. Sorry I missed your call Yeah. 
Everything feels so 